Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host Michael Moorcroft and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Major's Well. Hey Majors, thanks for joining me for part 2 of Odin. If you haven't listened to part 1, I released it last week, I would check that out first, just because it sets the scene nicely for today. Just a warning for today's show, I speak about white supremacy around Odinism. It's a thing, and it's worth saying because some may be triggered by it, but I think it's something that needs to be pointed out. So, let's get on with the show. No, Odin has a link to war and warriors, yes, but he doesn't really have connections with normal average warriors, but rather more heroic ones, as well as elite bands of warriors known as the Berserkers. You may have heard of these guys before, and there's actually a few historical accounts of them that paint quite terrifying and disturbing pictures. And you could actually describe these warriors as shamans in of themselves. Basically, it was thought they worked themselves up into a trance-like state, possibly with the aid of hallucinogenics, and they would channel the spirit of an animal, that of a wolf or a bear, it's thought. All this accumulated and transformed them into brutal killing machines that felt no pain. 
Odin governs these men and delights in the bloodlust and ecstasy that they face within the heat of battle. Odin also has help from the Valkyries, women who flew over the battlefield and chose who died, the best of which would be taken to Valhalla, kind of like a paradise for great warriors, where they would wait for Ragnarok, which is the Viking end of the world, and they would fight alongside Odin. Scholars have proposed that these winged beings were based on actual women who performed human sacrifices and then used the victim's blood for divination. The Valkyries were essentially former Sibyls. There could also be references to Siberian shamanism here, in that there's a belief that female spirits will help the practitioner, and they somewhat become the celestial wives of the shaman. There's also a myth around Mimith, that guy who guards the well which Odin drank from for knowledge. Mimith also has shamanic links. Before the well, the Vanir and the Aesir, the two different houses of gods, when they were fighting, they made a truce and spat into the pot that led to the mead of poetry's creation. Now with this truce, they also agreed to essentially swap hostages. The Vanir deities Freya, Frey and Najord went to live with the Aesir, while the Aesir deities Mimith and Honia were sent to the Vanir. The Aesir were happy with their hostages, the Vanir however were less so. Honir was a great leader, but he constantly needed Mimith to tell him what to do. Whenever the Vanir asked him for advice, he couldn't give it because Mimith was never there. Nahonia, in his defence, was a great warrior, but they didn't see his fighting skills as there was peace. This indecisiveness continued, and they grew really angry, feeling like they'd been tricked. Now one day, they got so angry that they actually cut off Mimith's head and sent it to Asgard. Now, Odin was absolutely distraught. One of his most beloved advisors had been killed, but Odin had learnt Freya's magic at that point. He used magical herbs to embalm Mimith's head and chanted powerful spells over it. The end result? He managed to successfully preserve it as well as bringing Mimith's head back to life. Whenever Odin was in a tight spot, he would go to Mimith's head and ask its advice. It also had oracular powers as well. Fast forward to the well myth in some versions, it is just Mimith's head that guards the well. Now this idea of talking heads possessing knowledge and wisdom and predicting the future, this has ties to shamanism. The skulls of the Yukagia shamans in Siberia were kept for this purpose, as well as divination, and Orpheus of Greek myth, his decapitated head served as an oracle as well. It's also been suggested that he was a Thracian shaman. And we can't talk about shamanism without discussing one of the most famous Norse myths, Odin's involvement with the runes. Coming from the old word runath, the old Norse for runes, it means mysteries as well as letters, but they are so much more. Viewed as symbolic components that build the world around us, a sacred alphabet that writing in them alone was an inherently magical act, and whatever was written with them would bring things to pass. Odin knew what these runes meant and passed the knowledge down to a select chosen few. The myth of Odin and the runes is widespread and is rumoured to have inspired Christian interpretations on the depiction of Jesus on the cross. There are a lot of shamanic references throughout the myth. 
Odin was sat on his throne, watching over everything that he ruled. However, there was one thing that taunted him. The runes. Looking down at the trunk and roots of Idrasil, the tree that held Asgard in place, he could see them, carved by the Norns, the three maidens who watch over human fate and destiny. It was them who kept their secrets. Odin needed to know the runes and their mysteries, so he set out for the base of Idrasil. It was customary when offering human sacrifices to Odin, people would be hung and then stabbed, called a double sacrifice. Odin decided he'd do the same. He hanged himself from Idrasil and stabbed himself with his spear. For nine days and for nine nights, Odin hung from the tree. Nearly dead, the thought of obtaining the knowledge of the runes kept him alive. Slowly but surely, the information came trickling in. He watched as the runes formed in his mind and came to life. Quote from the Havamal, a collection of old Norse poems. Then... I began to thrive, and wisdom to get. I grew, and well I was. Each word led me on to another word, each deed to another deed. He learns nine chants of powers that would allow him to use the runes. Now, once done, he cut himself free and drank from the mead of poetry. From here on out, his power grew and grew, and nothing could stand in his way. The image of Odin hanging on the tree and enduring self-inflicted torture in order to win mastery over the runes is a powerful one, and it is said to have inspired the Hanged Man card in the tarot. This image also has strong comparisons to shamanic initiations through torture, death and rebirth before the individual can access their full powers. Through self-sacrifice, Odin amplifies his divine strength. This is a common motif and a ritual throughout shamanic societies globally. OJW Hunkin, a researcher in shamanism, looked at Siberian shamans and their initiation, which often involved climbing a tree and fasting for a period of time. The shaman sees, quote, the flash or illumination, a mysterious light which the shaman suddenly feels in the interior of his head. He is now able to discern things hidden from other human beings. Now, a nice plot twist away from Zeus and the Greek pantheon generally, Odin is actually respectful towards women. And just a side note here about women in Viking society, generally speaking, they were pretty equal before the arrival of Christianity. More modern research is giving legs to this theory. Now, those who became a vulva, like a seeress, they wielded huge amounts of power, influence, and respect. And okay, this was only a small handful of women, fair. But on a more general level, women who were married were effectively the head of the household, and they held a lot of financial power. They could also divorce men quite easily and remarry. Now, Odin, he isn't ashamed to learn women's arts and magic. Freya was thought to be his first teacher, instructing him in charms and spellcasting. Freya, in one version, actually alerts Odin to the existence of the runes, and she's credited with teaching him Saith. It's really hard to define what this word actually entails. It's magic, we know that much, but every type of magical practice within the Norse world has at some point within texts been referred to as safe. 
So it leaves us with a pretty broad spectrum of what it actually could be. Often practitioners are described with a thread or allude to weaving, implying the practitioner's involvement with the web of fate. Saith can partly be described as a type of magic that revolved around the telling and the shaping of the future. Now, throughout Norse mythology, Odin refuses to be bound by gender restrictions, leading some to interpret him as a good deity to work with for those who identify outside of the gender binary. Now, Saith typically is not a man's domain in any way, shape or form. Men who worked within this field were labelled as Ark, meaning unmanly, quite a serious insult within Norse society. Odin, when gathering herbs and roots for healing, also dresses in traditional female clothes. The male shamans taking on female characteristics has been intriguing scholars for quite some time, and interestingly I came across a theory that women have an easier time of slipping in and out of trance-like states, which matches my own research. Modern practitioners have said the same thing. The shaman, by becoming and embodying traditional female characteristics in inverted commas, can therefore be seen as furthering their shamanic power and abilities. Now, with him being a master of Saith, this has at times within Norse myth led him to paradoxically be seen as an unmanly man, but also as a god linked to war and the king of the gods. So, how did he maintain this precarious position? Well, there's some historians who think that Old Norse society may have had a third gender that practiced Saith. These people were called Saith Berenth. A similar concept exists in indigenous America, called Two-Spirit. Recent research shows an interesting pattern. Denmark looks like it saw him as a particular queer deity. It's unknown if this is deliberate or not. It could simply be accidental, in terms of records being preserved better, or it could show how different areas have alternative interpretations of him. One myth, where Odin is in disguise as a ferryman, unbeknown to Thor, revolves around the idea of them hurling abuse at each other, due to the fact that Odin refuses Thor passage over the river. I didn't include it in these episodes as I found it a little dull to be honest, but interestingly, Thor implies that Odin is not only a queer man, but also a queer woman. Now, a man practicing Saith was called an Urgi, which, yes, meant unmanly, but it also had connections to what we would call today a homosexual. We do have a passage from a poem where Loki isn't invited to a party and proceeds to insult all the guests, including Odin, to which he likens his magic activities to behaving like a woman. He says it's Urgi, and one line implies that Odin has had sex with a group of men. I mentioned earlier that Viking society was more equal than we'd initially realised, leading some to theorise that Odin occupies this middle ground and draws the masculine and the feminine together, creating a gender dynamic space. Odin challenged important cultural norms and breaking gendered expectations of the time by refusing to be confined within a singular gender role. It also looks like it was a keystone to his identity as a deity. By possibly being seen as this third gender, he was able to avoid cultural taboos and maintain his power. 
Amy Jefford Franks argues that Odin is queer, simply because he, as a figure, doesn't reinforce the cis-heteropatriarchal framework, and actually seeks to deconstruct it. Now this all being said, however, we can't speak about Odin without acknowledging modern groups using him as a figurehead for white supremacy. Hateful manifestos have been drawn up and lay their roots in ancient Viking beliefs and customs. Asatru is a recent Scandi slash German pagan religion that has been adopted by white supremacists, calling it the true religion of the Aryan race, and when the Vikings were the original white superpower. Power, despite the fact that Viking society was actually pretty multicultural. The alternative right have jumped on the bandwagon and it's gained traction. This has escalated to parts of Northern America, primarily Eastern Canada, being referred to as Vinland, referencing to when the Vikings discovered America before Columbus and claiming this land as sacred. This is dangerous, as in the words of David Perry, an associate professor of history at Dominican University in Illinois, says that it essentially asserts a historical claim over North America. It also erases their history as colonizers and settlers on stolen land. Now, the Vinlanders Social Club cropped up in 2003, and it is one of the most racist groups in America. According to some reports, 15% of American Odinists are overtly racist. There's also links to the Nazi party as well. The American version was set up in 1959, and carried a lot of Odin references. White supremacy has weaponized Viking imagery and completely fabricated history in order to justify their hateful ideology. But not everyone who worships Odin or is involved in Asatru is a white supremacist, and there are people within these communities actively fighting against this idea. The Troth, a major Asatru organization, makes inclusivity a priority and doesn't allow its members to discriminate based on race, ethnic origin, gender, or sexual orientation. Heathens United Against Racism formed in 2012, and the Swedish group Vikings Against Racism regularly show up at far-right marches. Now, the Nordic Resistance Movement, which is a neo-Nazi group that uses the ancient rune Tiwaz as its logo, marched through the streets. It found itself vastly outnumbered by counter-demonstrators from the Vikings Against Racism group. These efforts will need to continue in order to fight against hatred and the racism that's present within these communities. Now, Odin's complexity can also be seen in how many names he has earned, whilst on his numerous paths and him taking on numerous identities. He has over 200 names, and those are just the ones we know about, as so much of Norse history has been lost. Nikar and Nikut mean the one who incites battle, Harbard meaning greybeard, Ik meaning the terrible one, Yalfk translating to gelding, a castrated male horse, which is thought to relate to his sexuality and gender. I would use this name when working with him in these areas. Hanki, hanged one. Hangauth, god of the hanged. And Hagverk, lord of the hanged. He's also known as the Raven Lord, 
and glory bearer and my personal favorite lord of the north to name a few i'm not going to take you through the whole 200 names that would be quite tedious but you can incorporate these names into your rituals to make them a little bit more personalized and to tailor it to your needs which brings me on to working with odin now looking at his myths and what i've covered it's clear to see the areas where you would work with odin personally I'd go to him for working towards occult knowledge and learning. If you are studying anything, you could dedicate this study to Odin. Also, if you're going travelling, you could ask for his protection and for an insightful adventure. Working with him on a Wednesday, always a good shout. Wednesdays are his day, traditionally named after him Woden's Day, as Woden was an alternative name for him. Dusk or midnight work best, and winter is his best time of year. These are just suggestions to layer up your workings with him. You don't have to wait till midnight on a Wednesday in the middle of winter to approach him, but the experience may develop a deeper connection with him. In terms of offerings, mead, always a good one, as well as wine, the Scandinavian liquor called Aquavit, any liquids you do give him, it could be quite a nice touch to use a drinking horn to serve them in. You could also write some poetry about him, and with this theme of questing for knowledge, you could try find out obscure bits of wisdom and tell him, that could be an offering as well. He likes blue, you could burn blue candles, he's heavily associated with juniper and mugwort, I'd make an incense out of these. European helotrope is sacred to him, however this is poisonous, so I'd leave it alone. A lot of his plants are deadly, as well as being psychoactive, which is beautifully symbolic of him. He's heavily linked to poppies, and poppy fields were actually called Odin's Ground, and they were seen as sacred places where Odin performed healing. You could work with runes, and you could learn them as a dedication to Odin. The runes and Suz and Wunjo are heavily connected to him. Incorporate these into rituals as you see fit. Now, I've also found an invocation from northern paganism that you could use to bring him into your space. You would give offerings while reciting it and then petition him and give him more offerings. It goes, Hail to Woden, world shaper, wisdom seeker, weird walker, wandering god. Hail to he who brings both weal and woe, who hung on the tree, who gnawed upon his own spear. To tear a hole between the worlds, hail to he who won the runes, who burned by their fire, shrieked his spells, and burned them all right back. Hail to the Allfather, ruthless, fearless, mighty God, weapons raise, and wondrous Lord, bestow your blessings upon me here tonight, and may my prayer be pleasing to you. Hail, Woden. Now, more specifically, there is a story where Odin heals the broken leg of a horse. If you are trying to speed up the recovery process of either you or someone else, you could chant or sing the spell from the Havamal. This translation is from Diana Paxson. Fall and Woden rode to the wood. Baldur's foal had sprained its foot. Shinthgunt, soon as sister spoke, Frigia, Vola's sister, invoked. Then spoke Woden, as well he knew. Bone sprain, blood sprain, joint sprain too. Bone to bone, blood to blood, joints to joints may they be glued. 
The spell doesn't have to just be around broken bones. Healing around any injury will work, and just slightly adapt the last two lines. To add strength to this, recite it a few times whilst tying knots in a black thread, then recite one last time whilst tying the thread around the afflicted area. And just a little disclaimer, I am not a medical practitioner. Witchcraft should never be used to replace medical conventional treatments. It should only ever be used to complement them. If your back is against a wall and you feel like there's nowhere to go, you could try and recite this prayer to Odin. It's another one from Diana Paxson, and I think it's quite beautiful and endearing. Hail Odin. Odin, why? The struggle is at times incomprehensible. I question whether I am being made stronger or being slowly killed. I question the plan, but my faith does not waver. Great Odin, bringer of glory, I ask you do not give up on me. Through the pain, the blood, the agony, and the inner turmoil, I'm battered, I'm bruised, but I'm still here, still standing. And it's to you I look above all. You have me on my spear, and I am bleeding like never before. The darkness of the Ginnunga Gap can be heard. It's so intense. Inspire me to reject the turmoil and pull myself off my spear. Inspire me to get off the tree and hit the soil, throughout the struggle and the questions, and though the night remains, my trust, faith, and fealty do as well. Here they are, here they stay. Great Allfather, I ask and plead for your strength and inspiration. Odin is a mysterious and ancient figure, multifaceted and obscure. His dominion is vast and can be taken in so many different directions, magically speaking. Odin has enjoyed a revival in recent years and has undergone different interpretations, adapting to society's ever-changing needs. Do his runes call out to you? And Majors, that's it. That is a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path and to talk about interesting parts of history relating to spirituality. I also want to connect you with information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me? With your support, I can dedicate more time to the mage as well. You can financially support me through Patreon, where you'll gain access to more content and connect with the mage as well community. The link for this is in the episode description. If you're not keen on pledging money for whatever reason, but you still want to support, you can follow my Instagram at the mage as well. You could tell your friends and family about the show. You could post about the podcast. And most importantly, you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This is really important. It really helps because it boosts the algorithm over on Apple Podcasts and it draws in new listeners and helps get the podcast out there. Please help me out. This is an independent podcast. It's just me researching, producing and editing. Anything you can do will help. If you own a business and would like to advertise on the show, please get in touch. The show's email is themajorswell at gmail.com. Special thanks to Garal St. Clair for the podcast artwork. The poem this week is from an old text called Eldar Edda. 
which is a collection of Old Norse poems, probably written around 1250 CE. We don't know who wrote it, and it's called Odin's Shaman Song. I know I hung on the gust-beat gallows, nine full nights, gashed with a stake, and given to fire sea, myself to myself, on that ash tree, of which none know, from where the roots rise. They did not comfort me with bread, nor with drinking horn. I looked down, I took up the runes, shrieking their names, I fell back from there. I got nine mighty songs from the famous son of Balthorn, Bessler's father, and I got a drink of precious mead, sprinkled as from the heart. Then I began to thrive and bear wisdom. I grew and prospered. Each word drew another word from me. Each deed drew another deed from me. Runes you will find, fateful signs, that the king of singers coloured, that the great gods have made, good strong staves, good stout staves, carved by a god ruling spirit. Peace out witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.